Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. Now, we were looking for some response tonight, okay? So I'm looking out. Most of us don't have masks on, amen. Um, So you can give me some back and forth. Is that okay? Yeah. Is that good? Okay, we've got the youth here in in the front section, so make sure you're nice and loud, okay? I'm not here on a Friday night, but I'm happy with it to feel like it. Okay? You good? Yeah? yeah but you're still being quiet. Are you good? Yeah. Yeah, that's all right. Come on. Well, if you don't know who I am, my name is Caleb, and um, I'm part of the team here at Highway, and I'm excited to speak to you tonight. And if you have a Bible, which you probably should, um, we are in church, um, and if you don't have a physical Bible, maybe get it out on your phone um, and get the app open, okay? Because we're going to open God's Word tonight, and um, I believe that is very important when we preach Amen. So, book of Matthew. Book of Matthew, we're going to read from chapter 7. Now, as a church, we've been following a a, um, rotation of themes, of topics, and these four themes, and they are around foundation, family, Holy Spirit, and mission. And tonight, um, I'm going to be sharing a message around foundation. Pastor Caleb preached an incredible word this morning on mission, and um, if you haven't if you weren't here in the room this morning, make sure you jump on the podcast and listen to that. Um, but my message tonight is very simple, okay? Yet, I pray that it's going to be profound and it's going to inspire you, it's going to encourage you and give you something that you can take from not just today, but for Monday. Is that good? That you would be inspired by something, not by my words, but God's words. So I asked this question to myself a few weeks ago. What does it look like to have a strong foundation? What does it look like to have a strong foundation? There may be people in this room tonight who've been in the church their whole life, and there may be people in this room tonight who this may be your first experience in being in a spiritual, religious place like this. But I pray that this will have something relevant for wherever you are at, because I personally always want to build my foundation. I want a stronger foundation so I'm ready for whatever comes at me at life. Because we know God never said we would not have trials, right? We will have trials and strong foundations means that we can continue through the trial. So this passage of Scripture, chapter 7, if you understand this part of Scripture, um, and this part of, the, part of the Bible, it's Jesus and He is sharing the Sermon on the Mount. And this is one of His most famous messages um, And we should actually, as Christians, as followers of Christ, be actually reading over this quite often because there's a lot of gold inside this passage of Scripture that will actually help us through our day-to-day life. Um, So I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through to 27. Are you ready? Come on, let's go for it. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice... It's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, key word right there, is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. 
God, I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself through it tonight. And Lord, you would speak to us, Lord God. I pray that every single individual in this room will be inspired by something that is shared tonight in your name. Amen. So what does it look like to have a strong foundation? We see there, it says, put into practice the words of Jesus. If you know this part of Scripture, this is the end of the Sermon on the Mount, okay? He has shared for three chapters on all these different things to help us through life. And this is the way he finishes this incredible preach, right? He is speaking, he is teaching to the crowd. This is the way he finishes. And I read through this, and we know this is a very um, famous part of Scripture. If anyone talks on foundation, you're probably going to find this passage of Scripture being used, right? But it's saying there that we follow the words of Jesus to have a strong foundation. To have a strong foundation, church, we must follow and practice the way of Jesus. We need to put time into the basic fundamentals, foundational spiritual disciplines, what it means to follow the practice, the way of Jesus. This is so important, church. We must continually, not just for seasons of life, not just for when things are good or not just for when things are not so good, right? We constantly need to be putting into practice the spiritual disciplines of Jesus. And our generation and the generations to come, we've got youth down here, we've got children meeting at the back. We believe it's so foundational and so important to build in spiritual disciplines from a young age. That's why if you're a parent in the room, I commend you for coming out on a Sunday night because your kids aren't just being looked after out the back, they're being built right? Their foundation is growing. That's why if you can come to two services, why not? That's right. If you can be in Gilston in the morning, if you can be at Ormo in the morning, if you can be at Ormo at PM, doesn't matter. Get your kids to church. You're building a strong foundation. You'll get me preaching about it for too long. I digress. I think sometimes we get distracted by the, first, like the last three years of Jesus's ministry, right? If you understand how Jesus and his journey looked throughout Scripture, three years we read through, we go, wow, amazing miracles. Jesus did incredible things. What about the first 30? Right? There's a long time Jesus built into his foundation before he was able to outwork the calling and the gifts and the abilities God had placed upon his life church. It is so important for us to think about that. Even the Son of God had to build and practice spiritual formation. (laughs) So let's talk about it, right? Jesus. Most of us know Jesus in a different way. Some of you in the room may think of Jesus as the Messiah. Some of you in the room may think of Jesus as Christ. Some of you in the room may think Jesus as the Son of God. But if you were a first century Jew and you were around that time and you saw Jesus, what would you see or what would you call Jesus at that time? Is anyone who's a scholar in the room? Pastor Dan Russell. What would you call Jesus? Teacher. Very good. You would call him Rabbi. Rabbi. And Rabbi just means teacher. A plus. Homeschool. I love it. Right? You would call him Rabbi. Sorry, context, Dan did go to homeschool. Um, We love Pastor Dan. He's amazing. He's incredible. Let's keep going, right? You would call him Rabbi. And Rabbi just means teacher. And he was a rabbi. You know, the 90 or so times that Jesus was talked to or spoken to, upwards 60 of those times, people would call him either Rabbi or teacher. 
okay? Rabbi or teacher. And sometimes I think in our Western way of thinking, we move past this thought of the way we see Jesus too often as, yes, our Saviour, but yes, He is first teacher. He is rabbi. He is someone that we follow. We follow the words and practice the words of Jesus. Now, I don't think we do that on purpose. I think we love, we've seen some great moves of God. Salvation is an amazing thing. But for us to understand that this thing we call following Jesus is not one point. It's not one moment. It's continuous, right? It's something we do daily, daily. And if we think of Jesus as rabbi, I actually think this will help us in our day-to-day. It will help us refrain, reframe the way we think of who Jesus is. Yes, he's someone who did something great, but someone that I'm constantly trying to emulate and be like. I'm going to read from the book of Mark, if you want to turn your Bibles to Mark. If you know, that is straight after Matthew. And I'm going to read a couple of different verses. You may be able to keep with me. If not, the verses will be on the screen. So I'm going to read from Mark chapter 1. And if you can just listen to the words here, um, we're going to see a pattern throughout these parts and moments of Scripture. Mark chapter 1, verse 16 says this, As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother, John, in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. And they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Then we go to Mark chapter 2. It says right there, verse 13. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, or Alphaeus, Sitting at the tax collector's booth, Jesus said, follow me. Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. Then we go on to Mark chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Jesus went onto a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12, designating them as apostles, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Then it says in Mark chapter 8, if we go through, and it says in verse 34, Then he called the crowd to him along with the disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. The pattern there is that Jesus invites us into fellowship. He puts the question, the invite to you, that he says, follow me. Now there's a point of decision, right? Which we understand. We do talk about that through church life. We see that in moments throughout services. There is a point of decision that you choose to take up the fellowship, the apprenticeship of Jesus. You choose to follow, right? There's an invitation. It's not just a believe in me and you get to go to heaven. Woo! Doesn't that sound great? Right? That's not the end of the story. It's fellowship. It's continuous. The invitation was, come and follow me to be a disciple of Jesus. Now, I know most of you in this room um, would know this, but Jesus wasn't starting a new thing here. 
right? You think about the time in which Jesus and the context of where Jesus was in this point in time. This was the way that people would learn, not just in religious circles, but in general, right? Apprenticeship, fellowship, mentorship. This is how Jews, the first century Jews, would learn and grow and move forward in their life. And now I'm going to give you a super basic, ultra overview of the process, okay, what it looks like in Jesus' day to become a rabbi, okay? Please don't judge me, all right? I have a basic idea, okay? I have done due diligence, okay? I promise you, okay? But I'm not Shane Willard. Good? Okay, let's go for it, okay? So this is the process on how you would become and take the steps to become a rabbi. So at the age of five, young kids went to the local synagogue called Beth Sefer, right? Beth Sefer, to learn Hebrew and memorize the Torah. If you know what the Torah is, the first five books of the Bible, right? They would memorize it. Now, don't feel bad if you're in this room, okay? You think, I know Exodus, Leviticus, all of it. Okay, no, okay? It was an oral culture, okay? They didn't have this on their phone or on them, okay? Just so you know, context, okay? They would teach through story. They would talk about it, okay? But it's still amazing. My, my daughter's three and has no idea, all right? If they were getting to five, that's incredible. Let's keep going, okay? So they would learn the Torah, okay? They would memorize it. They would go through the scripture um, and they would know it off by heart, um, and they would go to the synagogue and learn, okay? And by the age of 12, they would finish their schooling. And around that time, it's that same time, if you were a female, um, you would either get married or you would um, go to start to bear children. Um, and then if you were a male, you would apprentice to your father. And whatever trade or whatever business your father would do, you would apprentice to your father. And then around that same time, if you're a male aged between 12 to 14 or so, and you were the best of the best, Okay, and you had enough money, you had enough wealth, you would then go on to a second level of education called Beth Midrash. Beth Midrash. It's called the House of Learning, where you would study the prophets and the writings in addition to the Torah and begin to learn the interpretations of oral Torah and by either a scribe or an expert of the synagogue. Okay, that would be then they would teach you. And once completed, from that second level of education, then you could either choose to become a scribe or teach, or you could go back to your father's business and finish and work in your family's business. But then if you were the best of the best, the cream, okay, these students were called the Talmidim or the Talmid, okay? And they were at a certain level and they knew and they, had, they were like the A plus awesome students, okay? And they would go and take and seek permission to study with either a rabbi, a famous rabbi of the area. And um, they would go through and try and become a disciple. That's actually what the Talmud, the Talmudim was called. It was a disciple. You'd come in discipleship to your rabbi. So they would go and they'd find someone and they would ask the rabbi. And the rabbi, if they saw them to be fitting enough, the rabbi would then put them through a test. And they would question them, understand their understanding of the Torah, understand the way they think. They would, put, they would absolutely smash them until they thought, okay, this person is smart enough to follow me. That would, that would actually be the language of the rabbi. It would be a point where the rabbi would say, okay, you are good enough to learn from me, and they would ask an invite to follow them. 
and they'll take the steps to follow them. Then you become apprentice to that particular rabbi and they'll have three goals, okay? And these three goals are simple. One of the goals was just to be with the rabbi. They would be with them 24-7, 365, every second of every day they are with their rabbi. Shane Willard um, has some teaching on this, how the idea of that the apprentices, the disciples of the rabbi would be covered by the dust of their rabbi because they would follow and walk and do everything that their rabbi would do. And that would be their second goal, to become like the rabbi, which, you know, our society doesn't like that, Right? Don't become like that person. You're an individual, (laughs) right? Yet their whole thing was to be like the rabbi. Speak, walk, act, do as the rabbi would do. And their third goal would then to be do what the rabbi did, right? At a point where the rabbi goes, you have learned enough, my disciple, go out and create disciples, That was the process of the day of how you would become a rabbi. And as most of you have probably figured out already, Jesus has called us to do the same, to follow him, to become an apprentice, a disciple of Jesus. You know, in Jesus' day, following your rabbi wasn't your side hustle. Following your rabbi was your everyday It was 24-7. It was in the good and the bad. It was every moment. It wasn't just something you did on a Sunday. It was something you did when you woke up, when you went to sleep. Every moment you were being like your rabbi. You were with your rabbi. You were doing what your rabbi would do. See, following your rabbi was the main thing. Church, following Jesus is the main thing. Do you know that? <laughs> isn't, isn't secondary to your business venture? Right? It isn't secondary to that situation in your life. It was your main thing. Church, I do believe that we need to be reminded of this. Following Jesus isn't your side hustle. It's your everyday, right? It's your everything. What is salvation? It's not just one moment. Yes, the question was asked, But then there's a constant state of practice, as it says in Matthew chapter 7. Then if you hear his words and put into practice is fellowship, discipleship, apprenticeship. So to have a strong foundation church, we need to follow, practice the way of Jesus. We need to reorder our lives around those same three goals, right? This is our first and most important goal, our apprenticeship to Jesus. We are all apprentices to Jesus is just first of all to be with him. Be with him. To spend every waking moment next to him. Now I know today we know he is not physically here, he's on the right hand of the Father, but he sent his spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. You may be in the room tonight and you've never heard someone say that before and this isn't something wild or different. Holy Spirit is real as the air you breathe and the seat you're sitting on. Right? The Holy Spirit is here, He is through everything and everywhere. Right? So, how do we follow Jesus? How do we be around Him? It's through relationship with His Spirit, being in a constant state of awareness and connection to His Spirit. Now, it's easy for us to forget this. Life gets busy, life gets tough. Who loves the breakthrough moments of the Holy Spirit? 
Who's experienced a breakthrough moment of the Holy Spirit? Yeah? Awesome. Love it, right? I've grown up in the Pentecostal church my whole life, right? I went through the 90s Pentecostal church. Amen, right? Flags, whatever. Let's go for it. Come on. Maybe some of the youth could bring back some flags. What do you reckon? Oh, here we go. Maybe I'll, sorry. I, I won't say that ever again. Please take that from the recording. Um, I wasn't expecting them to be excited about that. Um, okay, sorry, let's keep going. Breakthrough moments are great with the Holy Spirit, but guess what? Breakthrough moments aren't your every day. It's more about process moments with the Holy Spirit. Meaning it's not just about those times when I was at that conference and I felt that, that hit of the Holy Spirit and I fell down or someone gave me that prophetic word or that healing came to my body. Incredible, right? Those are, those are breakthrough moments. But life through living and awareness of the Holy Spirit is process. It's the little things. It's the every day with the Holy Spirit that helps us follow and become like a rabbi. Process moments are every day before you get up in the morning. Before you roll over and grab your phone, before your child gets up and jumps on you, before you start thinking about that urgent thing you need to do at work, it's those moments where the awareness, the understanding that, Holy Spirit, I become aware of you. You are here. You are with me. Before every daily choice, for anything that comes into our world, we must stop and become and be with the Spirit of Jesus. Simple, but profound. You know, maybe there's moments when you're in your car and you've got to turn the radio off or you stop listening to the originals podcast or maybe it's those moments where the kids are screaming in the back and you've just dropped them off at school and you just need to stop and reset and go, Holy Spirit, I'm aware of you. Speak through me, use me, lead me. Most of our relationship with the Holy Spirit is process moments, not breakthrough moments. My point is that moments with the Holy Spirit and following Jesus is the everyday. It's all the time. It's not just the moments where you feel him. It's every day. It's a constant redirecting our minds and being with him. I'm going to go to the book of John um, love this. For a while here, this was probably my favorite part of Scripture. Um, and I'm just going to read a part of this here, John chapter 15. And if you know this well, this is about um, the vine and the branches, right? And Jesus is talking about abiding in Him. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. And it says there down in chapter, uh, chapter 4, I'm sorry, verse 4, remain in me. Some versions say, abide in me. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Jesus is saying, if, if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. It goes down to verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. We must practice redirecting our minds to just being with the Spirit of God, abiding in Him daily, every moment, being with Him. It doesn't just happen, church. It takes practice. 
constantly stopping and redirecting our minds. You know, I think it's going to be one of the great aches of our generation, church, is the idea as much as, you know, we're facing a lot of things, we don't know what the digital age is going to do. We don't know the fruit of this time. You know, as much as post-Christian culture, as much as um, we could think of atheists and whatever we come against, secularism, who knows? I actually believe that one of the hardest things that we're going to deal with as Christians, as followers of Jesus, is putting the phone away. We are constantly connected. We are constantly disturbed. Right? Turn off, turn, how hard is it to turn off your phone? It doesn't matter where you are, you can get that little buzz in your pocket, right? You're constantly connected. Your phone is always calling you, that email is always calling you, that TV, whatever it is, is always calling you and redirecting your thoughts and your mind from God. As much as it sounds simple, I actually believe that it's actually something that's coming against our people in this next generation. Sometimes it's great to turn it off, right? I'm giving you permission, (laughs) To not do it, right? To not roll over and grab your phone straight away, but to stop for a moment, right? These are actually so important distractions. Why not? Jesus has already won. Why not? Let's just, let's just distract you. That'll work, right? Distractions in life, they're huge. What we need to do is just put that phone away or log off. Stop glorifying being busy, church. To slow down, to get away from distractions and to start to practice the way, the spiritual disciplines of Jesus. Now, if you understand, there are many spiritual disciplines that Jesus teaches us. There's things of praying, reading God's word, um, solitude and solace, and these kind of things that we see throughout Scripture on how for us to grow, right? Fasting, worship, what we do when we gather in these rooms, coming to church, okay? These are spiritual disciplines. But sometimes I think we can get too much in a legalistic guilt trip with spiritual disciplines. Am I right? I grew up in church, okay? And I wish I could every day open my Bible and read it every single day for the last 29 years of my life. But I'm going to tell you I haven't, okay? And there was moments throughout my walk where I thought, ah, I didn't read my Bible, you know, I feel guilty when I look at Heather Wiggs. She's got, what's the Bible app? She's got like consecutive, you get badges on how many days you read your Bible. And hers is like a billion or something, you know. And I'm just guilty, you know. I should be reading God's Word today. Oh, I forgot to pray, right? Can I just tell you right now, spiritual disciplines are a means to an end. They are a means to an end. And what I mean, they are important. Do not get me wrong, Right? Spiritual disciplines are important, but what they're there for is for us to be with God. That is the end. Yes, you prayed, you prayed, good on you. Yes, you read your Bible, great job. Yes, you went to church, awesome, right? But they are a means to an end. The end is to be with Jesus. Out of that place of remaining or abiding in God, out of that place of connection to the Holy Spirit, then you start to become like Jesus. That is our next goal, to become like Jesus, to be like your rabbi. Some call it sanctification. We can call it um, spiritual formation. These are really important things in our discipleship and our apprenticeship to Jesus, that we grow in our spiritual formation. And, you know, it's actually... Um, change and how we grow and how we mature and being formed. It's so important. Let me give you a bit of idea of what spiritual formation really means. It's this. Spiritual formation 
is a process, not an event or one-time thing. It's a process of increasingly being formed into the image of Jesus. It has been possessed and permeated by the character traits of Jesus that we are being formed. Now, spiritual formation isn't just a Christian thing. It's not just something that is only done in the church. Spiritual formation is throughout our world. In every area, there's spiritual formation. We are spiritual beings, right? We are. We have a spirit. It's not just a Christian church thing. It's a human thing. As humans, we're constantly being formed by somebody or something. And the question is, who or what are you being formed into? Are you actually, think about this. What are you being formed into? What are you a disciple of? All of us are a disciple of something. It depends if we're a disciple to Jesus or a disciple to that cultural thing, to that boss, to that person we want to emulate, right? There is a choice on who we are being formed in likeness to. It's a choice. I don't know about you, but I want to grow and mature and become more like Jesus. That is what we see on the Sermon of the Mount is Jesus is teaching us how to spiritually form, to be sanctified, to grow and to become more like Him. You know, it's not just behavior modification, which is good. We all need a behavior modification, right? All of us. And even talked about, you know, on mission when you're in traffic, okay? All of us need behavior modification in traffic, right? We all want to be growing that. But this isn't just behavior modification. This is formation, transformation. It's change from the inside out. I want a new heart, church. I want a new mind. I want a new way of living, I want to be transformed from the inside out. Why? Because I have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of me. He's bringing you to a place of holiness. Do you know that, church? You don't just, one point of salvation where, yes, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, and that's me done. No. It's apprenticeship. It's fellowship. It's the way of Jesus that we need to constantly be made holy. What's, what's God's greatest attribute? Yes, He's loving. Yes, He is good and He's full of grace, but God is holy holy. He is making us more like him daily. If we are in fellowship to Jesus, then we are being made holy. Let me keep going. And then we go to do what he did. Now, um, some of you in this room, there may be some apprentices. I know Caleb, you did an apprenticeship, right? There's people in the room who have done apprenticeships throughout, right? Apprenticeship, when you do your apprenticeship, you go and you study, usually it's four years, okay, and you want to become like that person. You start, then you start to, your goal at the end of the apprenticeship is to become like your apprentice. If you're an electrician apprentice, then hopefully by the end of your apprenticeship, you will be an electrician and you can go out with your ticket and go and do stuff, okay? The same is on our journey with following Christ Church. We are his apprentices. Jesus is our rabbi. We are apprentice to him and our goal over time would be to start to become more like him, to be transformed from the inside out. You know, we need to, once we, yes, we want to be with him. Yes, we're becoming more like him. But now we are doing what he did. We are preaching. We are going out and casting out demons. These things are real, right? We are eating and drinking with people who are far from God. We're praying. We're standing up for what is right. We're prophesying, we're doing these things, okay? This is what happens when we grow in our spiritual formation that we actually start outworking what Jesus did. Simple, 
three goals. The end goal is for us to be with Jesus, filled with the Spirit, to become like Him and do what He did. You know, a very simple message, church, yet we need to be reminded of this. I actually think we need to renew our language around how we say we're followers of Christ. We are apprentices, followers of Him. Yes, we are saved and we continue to be saved. Daily, we choose to follow. In Matthew chapter 7, it says in verse 26 there, But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Have you ever met one of those people that say they're a Christian? (laughs) Who you know in your workplace or you've seen in school or uni? Yet, everything you see in the way they live and the way they act doesn't reflect Christ. You see, I think there's a big difference to sometimes where we can label Christianity and saying you're a Christian or an apprentice of Him. And I believe that if we really are followers of Jesus, if we are apprentices of Jesus, then we should be being transformed daily. That our lives should be becoming more like Him. You know, This thing we call following Jesus is amazing. It is awesome. It's real, right? It's actually a lifestyle. Church, if you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. To have a strong foundation, we must constantly follow Him. Be aware of Him. Follow Him. Do what He did, right? This is what it is about. Simple for us today in this room, 2021, wherever you're at, this is your moment. This is your time. If you've been following God for your whole life or this may be your first moment that I'm about to give, every day we choose to follow our rabbi, to be with him, to be like him and to do what he did. Come on, church, let's close our eyes. And if you're in this room tonight and maybe you don't understand some of the things I was talking about and you don't know, we want to give you an opportunity to take the invitation to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. Where my life is at right now, I need something to change. And we want to give you an opportunity. We have team and pastors here who would love to talk with you and journey with you and help you on this thing we call fellowship and if that's you if you've never made that decision you want to start and take that invitation right now every hand every sorry every eye is closed if you want to raise your hand just so we can see we can help you right now if you want to raise your hand for us and we will come beside you and help you why not right now this may be that moment thank you God thank you Jesus Amen. Lord God I pray tonight as we leave this place, we would know, Lord, as we take up this mantle of fellowship to you, God, we would follow you daily. We'd be aware that you are always with us, Lord, that we are continually being transformed to be like you. But as we step out this week, I pray that we would do what you did in every area of our life. In Jesus' name.